You are listening to the Overflow Podcast, a ministry of First Denton. For more information on Overflow, please visit overflowdenton.org. So uh, I, I realized that I, uh, I, I tweeted out earlier today that if you wanted to get a head start tonight, look at Luke chapter 6. Uh, I apologize for that because this afternoon we called an, called an audible and uh, changing things up, which uh, these guys always make fun of me. I can hear them giggling behind me because uh, they, they say if I tell them we're preaching on Luke 6, or in this case this week, Luke 6, uh, early in the week, they know that's not. I'm preaching on anything but Luke 6 uh, by the time we get to Tuesday night. So anyways, we're, we're calling an audible tonight, and I'm just going to be uh, you know, real, real honest with you. Coming into tonight, I'm, I'm, I'm coming in with some, some stuff that's weighing pretty heavy on my heart. Uh, you know, As a pastor, one of the things I'm, I'm constantly trying to do is to observe you all and, um, and, and kind of take the pulse of this group to see where we're at, see what's going on, see uh, what's going on in your lives and, and really where we need to go. And so, you know, we make these plans and we, we, we really do spend a lot of time praying and planning, um, trying to see God's direction because he knows long before anything happens what's going to happen this semester. And I'm not saying that he led us wrong. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I think sometimes he gets us to tweak things a little bit, change things a little bit, if nothing else, in my case, to get me to lean harder on him and my preparation and my leadership and so tonight, you know, we were going to be in Luke 6, but we're going to change that up. And I'll just tell you this. So yesterday as I was um, really just kind of sitting down and wrestling with some things that I, I know are happening in this ministry and, and kind of, uh, you know, we're, we're, I think this is what, week five of Overflow, which is, is crazy that we're already five weeks in. You're five weeks into classes. Um, we're, we're at a point now in the semester where we kind of know what we have. Uh, we know who's here. We're starting to figure out who's here. And we've had a few weeks now to observe you, the new people, the, the people that have been here before. And, uh, and, and, and so now it's time and an opportunity for us, for me as a pastor, to kind of reflect on what's happened the past five weeks and, and see where you're at. And as I've done that, um, and, and as I was doing that yesterday, the Lord really impressed on my heart um, this, this passage, okay? This moment in Jesus' life, this moment in Scripture, came to my mind as I was thinking through this. And it's the moment where uh, you're going to be familiar with this story. Jesus, he's just gotten off of this boat and he's walking up on shore. And, uh, and it's right before he's going to feed 5,000 people in a really miraculous way. Now you're familiar with the story. But in that moment between <clears throat> getting off the boat and walking up onto the shore and then actually feeding the 5,000 people, uh, it says something that really, for, for whatever reason, I feel like the Lord impressed on my heart and on my mind yesterday when I was thinking through this stuff. And it, it says this, when he saw the people, when he looked and saw the people, he had compassion on them. It was that line right there that, for whatever reason, as I was sitting there reflecting on all this stuff, the Lord just really heavily impressed on my heart. And, uh, and, and as I was thinking through this, which, by the way, that comes out of Matthew 14. It's actually recorded in a couple places in Scripture. But Matthew 14, 14, specifically, it says, When he, Jesus, went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and, had he, and, and he had compassion on them. So the Lord puts this on my mind. And I'm sitting there thinking about this, kind of wrestling with you know, now that text. And, and as he does that, and I want to be careful in what I say next because I don't want you to have this misconception that, that I, being a pastor, have this special or this opportunity to have a really special, unique relationship with God that you also don't have the opportunity to have. Um, but as he's impressing that on my mind and I'm thinking about it, uh, the Lord then spoke into my heart, not audibly, um, not magically, just very simply impressed on my heart um, and, and said this, Austin, look at how often it says in Scripture that Jesus looked and had compassion on somebody. And so I did. I, I went home uh, yesterday afternoon, 
And I started searching through the scriptures. Did a little uh, uh, blueletterbible.com search or Google search, you know, and, and, and typed those words in. And, it, and it's crazy how much that is in the Gospels, how much we see that happen. It's all over the place. So you see it in, in both accounts of the feeding of the 5,000, which is Matthew 14, 14 and Mark 6, 32. You see it in the account of Jesus feeding 4,000. Most people don't even realize that happened, but there's another account where he fed 4,000 people in a very similar way. Matthew 15, 32. In fact, uh, if you flip there real quick, I'll read it to you. Matthew 15, 32 says, Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, they're now in front of this crowd of people, said, I have compassion on the crowd because they've been with me now three days and have nothing to eat, and I'm unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. He says, I have compassion on this crowd that he's looking at. Flip back to Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. It says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Again, he saw a group of people, and then he had compassion on them. Luke chapter 7, verse 13, flip there, which is pretty close to where we were going to be tonight. It says, and this isn't a crowd of people. It's just one person that he sees. It says, when the Lord saw her, this widow, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. So here, one person he sees, looks up, sees, and it says he had compassion on her. If you get to Luke chapter 10, verse 33, which now he's telling a parable uh, of the Good Samaritan, which again, many of you are at least somewhat familiar with. And though he's talking about the Good Samaritan here, what we see in scripture and in so many of these parables is that when he's teaching us to be a certain way, ultimately what he's showing us is what he's already done for us or what he does for us. And that's what happens here. Luke 10, 33, it's talking about the Good Samaritan, but ultimately we see Jesus in this man. It says, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, this injured man uh, that had been robbed. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So again, see, look, and then compassion. Uh, Luke fifteen twenty, another parable. This is the parable of the prodigal son. The prodigal son, he's gone away. He gets convicted about uh, everything that he was doing. Then he comes back to the father. And we see in this text, ultimately, that the father is God. It is Jesus. So Luke 15, verse 20, it says, and, and he, the prodigal son, arose and came to his father. But while the prodigal son was still a long way off, his father saw him. And what? If you haven't figured it out. Felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And you see this in other places. This, this word that is being translated uh, from the Greek into the English as compassion is translated in a few other places into a different English word, the word pity. So it's the same Greek word, just being used differently in English. And so Matthew chapter 20, verse 34, look there. We see it again. Matthew 20, verse 34, it says, And Jesus, in pity or having compassion, touched their eyes, these blind people's eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. Mark chapter 1, verse 41, again, we see that word. This is important to see all this. Mark 1, 41, he comes up on a leper. He sees this leper, and it says, moved with pity or moved with compassion. He stretched out his hand and touched him, and and essentially he heals him right then. This was a defining quality of Jesus, of his life, of his ministry. When he saw people, he had compassion on them. And here's what this means. If this is a defining quality of Jesus in his life, in his ministry, then it, it also has to be a defining quality of us. It has to be a defining quality of your life, of my life, of anybody's life who calls themselves a Christian. A guy named Sheldon uh, Van Auken, he was known for his friendship with C.S. Lewis. He actually wrote a book that talked a lot about that friendship. And listen to what he said. He said, the strongest argument for Christianity is Christians when they're drawing life from God. But then he poses this question. The strongest argument against Christianity, also Christians, when they become exclusive, self-righteous, 
and complacent. Essentially, when they don't have this defining quality of Jesus. When Jesus saw people, he had compassion on them. This defined his ministry. It's got to define your life as a Christian. So I think it was last week I said that uh, prayer is so often, prayer, I'm talking about prayer now. So last week, uh, the prayer so often is treated like uh, a transition tool during a worship service. Most of you who have been around church for a while, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, it's, it's basically like, I don't know if you've um, had to do a project this semester or recently in the past on, on PowerPoint, and you've got to put together some slides, and it, you, know, you put together these different slides, and then you go back and you have to make the decision, what's the transition going to look like from slide to slide? You want to do good on this presentation, you're going to be up in front of people, clicking through the slides, and, and, and for most of you, you probably... Uh, did not go with the option of just a, a, just a cut to the next slide. That's just too abrupt of a transition, you know? It's uncomfortable, a little bit awkward, and so you look at the options, and you have an option of like a smooth fade into the next slide, and you can actually uh, determine how long you want that fade to be, like, you know, one second or 17 seconds, which would be really awkward if you did that, but you get to choose the transition. If you don't want just a smooth fade, you want to get crazy, you can do like a crossfade, or you can do a pixelated fade in, fade out, or just like a, a one where it, like the slide flips. It's like somebody threw it and it just flips on the screen and covers up the other slide or one zooms out, the other one zooms in. You know what I'm talking about. You got all these choices of different transitions. And that's essentially how we treat prayer in the church. It's only there for transition, which you wonder why Christians don't know how to pray. It's because the church doesn't know how to pray. And I find this interesting, Luke 19, verse 45 to 46, it says, and Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, it is written, my house shall be a house of what? Of what? Of prayer. He says, my house should be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. He says, the defining quality of his house should be prayer. I hope that he considers this his house. But let me ask you this question. What he he says the defining quality of his house should be prayer. What is the defining quality of most of our Christian gatherings? What is the defining quality of most of our churches? What is the defining quality of this church, of, of even this ministry, Tuesday nights? I mean, for a lot of churches, they, they center around the preaching. A lot of churches and ministries, they center around the praise band or the praise music. A lot center around the different programming that's going on in the church. A lot, I mean, there, there are, I can point to churches, there are churches that center around like the performances, the special performances or plays that they put on. Some it's like the parties. What happened to prayer? What have we done with prayer? We've made it a transition option. We put it on the same level as like a video bumper or a musical interlude or announcements. And I'm guilty of this, but I'm telling you, I'm so convicted right now, I don't want to be guilty of that anymore. I think one of the main reasons we don't pray much in gatherings like this is, one, because prayer is hard. We've talked about this before. Prayer is hard. It's not necessarily the most exciting thing. It can be very exciting, but it's not always the most exciting thing. It's not an entertaining thing, necessarily. Um, and, And so we don't want to do it in these settings because of that. Uh, another reason is I think a lot of times our expectation, our hope for these settings is there's people here, which I know this is the case tonight. There's people in here tonight who this is your first time here. This is maybe your first time in a setting like this. This is your first time uh, around anything that has anything to do with Jesus and scripture. And so as we are planning these big events or these gatherings like this, we don't want to pray too much in here because we don't want to push people away because they feel awkward or uncomfortable. We don't pray in our churches because we're afraid that if we do, the, these seats won't be full. In fact, there's kind of a joke among pastors. Quickest way to clear a room in the church, call a prayer meeting. It's true. 
We don't pray in gatherings like this because we, we, our, our obsession is with the seats being full of people. We measure our success based on how many people are, are in attendance. And what we've got to remember and honestly feel conviction over is our measure of success, according to God and his word, is not the amount of people that are in our gatherings. It's the amount of lives that are being powerfully transformed by the gospel. And only God can do that. Only Jesus can do that. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. I can't do that. The band can't do that. You can't do that. We have so many gatherings, large gatherings even. We have so many gatherings where we sing about Jesus, we talk about Jesus, yet ironically we fail to even invite Jesus. And so tonight I want us to pray and ask God to make this quality that, he, that defined him and defined his ministry a quality that would define us in our ministry. This quality where when Jesus saw people, he had compassion on them. So that's what we're going to do tonight. There's three things we're going to pray for tonight. One, we're going to pray, God, give us the eyes of Jesus. Two, we're going to pray, God, give us the compassion of Jesus. And three, we're going to pray, God, give us the power of Jesus. Now I want to briefly explain each of these before we spend some time praying together. But first one, we're going to ask God to give us the eyes of Jesus. If you look at the examples that we just saw of him looking and having compassion, it, it always started with him looking. It says Jesus looked or he saw. We need to be people who look and see. Here's my first challenge to us. We need to be people who look up. If, we can, if, if I can be a little pastoral here for a moment, I, I feel like I need to say this. Um, you, we, are always looking down. We are so consumed with social media. Social media has grabbed our attention so much that we are constantly looking down. Not up, we're looking down. We're always looking down at our iPhones or Android if you're one of those people. We're always looking down. Whether you're on the bus, on your way to class, you're looking down. Uh, Whether you're in class, You're looking down. You're not even paying attention. You're on social media looking down. I know because y'all are tweeting at me half the time. (laughs) Or maybe you're at Kerr Hall Cafeteria or in the the underground at T-Dub. Even while you're eating, you're obviously you're looking down for your food, but then you eat and you're looking at your phone. You're walking through campus. You're looking down. We're always looking down. Um, I got got suckered into... uh, Snapchat last week, <laughs> dumbest decision ever. Um, of course, it also had to be the week of the infamous, I guess, update where like you got that crack Skittles mouth thing <laughs> and uh, the scary zombie face. Um, first of all, I, I'm I'm probably gonna get rid of the app like really quick because it it really has got to be the dumbest app ever. Uh, there's nothing that you can do on Snapchat that you can't do through text message or Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or any of those other social media apps. The only, the only difference is, <laughs> what'd you say? What? What'd you say? No. Oh, amen. Somebody said amen. Okay, yeah. Man. I'm kind of disappointed that that was the first amen of the night, but that's cool. <laughs> yeah, you can't really do anything with Snapchat that you can't do with text or Instagram or Facebook or all those other ones. Amen. Uh, <laughs> except, except, you know, what you post on Snapchat, at least in theory, after they watch it once, it disappears unless they screenshot it. But, of course, it tells you if they screenshot it. If you don't know that, it tells them if you screenshot it. Um, some of you are like, oh, crap. Uh, I, you're like, oh, man, I'm probably like the creepiest human. Anyways, uh, 
yeah, the only reason, the only difference is, is it disappears after, unless it's posted, your, posted to your story, it disappears immediately after they watch it, which, you know, you think about that, there's only two reasons that Snapchat then becomes valuable. Either one, it's valuable for you to do really, really stupid things, post really, really stupid things that you don't want people to save or see more than once, or two, it's a resource that you can use to post stuff that's not appropriate, that you don't want people passing around. Um, but I have Snapchat now and uh, until I delete it later, which means I also have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, also this really stupid app called Periscope, which is dumb. I used it twice, and now it's just really dumb and never going to use it again. Uh, but I could literally, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about this uh, yesterday. I, I could literally spend my entire day flipping through these different apps and still not have enough time to see everything that's on it. We're constantly looking down. How can this quality of looking and having compassion on people define us if we're always looking down and never looking up at people? We must look up. Not only must we look up, we must look out. And I'm not saying look out like, ah, oh, look out. I'm saying look out as opposed to look in. And here's what I mean. Uh, this ministry, I, I believe over the past four years, has had, a, has had a pretty good reputation of being a ministry where you can come, you can get connected, you can grow in relationships with other people. Like you may not know anybody when you show up, but this ministry has had a reputation of being a very welcoming ministry to people who are new. And a big reason for that, like, and, and let me back up and just say, like, what, what I mean is, even though this is a big gathering, I think in the past four years, it's been hard for people to slip in and out unnoticed. And the reason for that is because, in general, our students, specifically our student leaders over the past four years, have done a really good job about, of, of being intentional about looking for people who, who don't know anybody or who look like they haven't been here before or, and, 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 engaging them, bringing them into the circle, bringing them into the group, introducing them to other people so that they can have community here, build relationships here. That's been, I think, the reputation of this ministry the past four years. Now, as a result, over the past few years, some of you who've been in this ministry for a while, you have developed some really deep relationships, good, strong relationships with other people in this ministry, which is amazing, which is good. But here's the danger in that. The danger in that is, as those bonds grow so close, you get so focused in on those relationships that you lose the urgency to look out and build new relationships. How can this quality of looking and having compassion on people define us if we're always looking in at the people we are close with and never looking out at people we don't yet know. We're going to ask God tonight to give us the eyes of Jesus, eyes that look up, eyes that look out, eyes like um, one of our students who came up to me at the end of Overflow last week, and not in a bragging, boastful sort of way, but uh, she came up to me knowing that what she was about to say would be encouraging to me, and it was very encouraging to me. She, she showed me a picture on her phone. Um, she had taken the challenge that I dished out a couple weeks before when we were studying Luke 5, and I, I challenged you, if you don't remember this, um, you probably didn't take the challenge. Uh, I challenged you to um, uh, invite people into your home, feed them food, because we talked about the fact that we see in Scripture that two of our most powerful weapons in sharing the gospel is our home and our food. Invite people into your home, your dorm room, your apartment, whatever. Feed them food, whatever that is, and then share Jesus with them, just like Levi did in Luke chapter 5. And she took this challenge, and she showed me the picture on her phone. I, I think she's a freshman. She lives in one of the dorms. And uh, in, her, in her dorm room, there were like 15 to 20 girls crammed in the dorm, which you know, like, some of you are like, what, how? 
that's what I'm saying too. But it, it, it was real. It happened. Uh, 15 to 20 girls in there, and I asked her, so did you feed them? Because I'm thinking she didn't feed them. She goes, yeah, I fed them granola bars. Uh, <laughs> and I said, well, did you share Jesus with them? And she said, yes, I did share Jesus with them. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, if she can do that, cram 15 to 20 girls in a dorm room, feed them granola bars, then that means every single one of you can do a much better job than that than she did at getting people in there, feeding them, and sharing Jesus with them. She was so effective in taking that challenge, and she did it with granola bars in a dorm room. And, and we're going to ask God to give us eyes like Jesus, and honestly, eyes like that girl who was, who was not so focused at looking down or looking in on the relationships that she already had, but looking out and looking up into the eyes of people, intentionally engaging them and bringing them into her life for the purpose of introducing them to Jesus and each other. So we're going to ask God to give us the eyes of Jesus. We're also going to ask God to give us the compassion of Jesus. This word compassion that we see over and over in Scripture is a really interesting word. It comes from the Greek word Splanchnon. Exactly. Splanchnon. All right, everybody say splanchnon. Uh, you got you to gotta flim it up a little bit more than that. Um, I, I've been, uh, I've been uh, watching recently The Walking Dead. Anybody here watch The Walking Dead? Wow, okay, cool. Uh, spend a little less time on Netflix. Uh, so The Walking Dead, yeah, uh, and it's all about zombies, which is so stupid. Uh, it is stupid. Uh, so, anyways, yeah, and they're always, like, making that weird zombie sound, that and then until they get, like, shot in the head or something, which is disgusting. But splonchnon, you got to put a little zombie into it if you're going to say it right. So everybody say splonchnon. There you go. That was good. So this word splonchnon, it's, it's an interesting word uh, for a lot of reasons, but here's the main reason. Um, what this word actually means, the way that it, in just classical Greek, what it actually means is uh, the inward parts of the body. The inner parts of the body, like, in other words, intestines or the colon. I'm serious. That's what the word splanchnon means, the intestines or the colon. It used to be that people thought the seat of the emotions in the body wasn't the heart, like we say, baby, I love you with all my heart. No. For them, they thought the seat of the emotions was the intestines, which, I mean, can you imagine that? <laughs> like we say, baby, I love you with all my heart. Baby, I love you with all my intestines. Uh, baby, my, my colon, it is, it's all yours. <laughs> or you're like trying to console somebody and they're over there crying like, oh, she just, uh, she broke my intestines. Uh, or, uh, baby, quit, quit playing games with my bowels. Um, I was trying to think of what it would be like, you know, if you were texting them, you know, like and using the emo- emoji. Okay, question. Do you say emojis or emojis? emojis. Oh my gosh, y'all are wrong. Anyways, like, can you imagine texting somebody, you know, like, hey, you know, good night, babe, uh, I, instead of heart, like, I, and post a picture of intestines, you, or, uh, you know, the, the little emojis, em, whatever, with, uh, with hearts in its eyes, like, what would be there in place of the hearts? Or the one that's kissing, and it's got a little heart coming out of it, what the heck would be coming out of his mouth? Anyways, the point of this word is, uh, the point is, this word compassion, it's a feeling that comes from deep within. Some of y'all were like, uh, dang, I ate at Kerr Hall today, and I've got all kinds of compassion welling up in my, uh, inside of me. Anyways, uh, the point is, this word is a feeling that comes from deep within you. This word compassion is a feeling that comes from deep within you. When Jesus looked up, 
When Jesus looked out and saw these different people, the hungry, the homeless, the helpless, the widow, the dead, the hurt, uh, the blind, the lost, the unclean, he was deeply moved. He had compassion. Listen, we have those same people on our campuses. We have those same people in this room tonight. And this is not something that comes naturally to us, not this kind of compassion. And maybe just to prove it, most of us, I think, are more moved by the SPCA commercials where they show like one of those mange-looking dogs or cats locked up in a cage that's like dirty and stuff, and Sarah McLaughlin's playing her little eyes of an angel or arms of an angel song in the background, and like, this dog is, you know, hopeless, homeless, come adopt it, and you're like pulling out Kleenex, dabbing your eyes and stuff, making sure your mascara doesn't spread, ladies. And uh, we're more moved, I think, oftentimes by that than we are by the people who are in the same situation around us. They're homeless. They are, they are lonely. They are hurt. They're sick. They have sin that has got them locked up in a cage. We're more moved by this commercial for animals than we are for the people that are around us that need to be set free, that need to be healed, that need somebody to compassionately go after them and fix them. And so tonight we're going to ask God to give us the compassion of Jesus. Um, I, I, know, I know nobody as compassionate in Denton, Texas, as, um, as, a, as a woman named Phyllis Newman. And I don't know if she's here tonight, but Phyllis Newman, she's... Um, some of y'all know who she is, clearly. Uh, she's, she's a member of our church. She's one of the women in our church who has invested so much in the college ministry. Um, she is so compassionate. She ministers to and serves so many people in this ministry in so many ways. Uh, she is quickly moved deep down by your stories, your pains, your struggles. She has, I think, the compassion of Jesus. And, and I was thinking about this today. If, if, only all, if only we all had that kind of compassion. So we're going to pray for that. God, give us the compassion of Jesus. God, give us the eyes of Jesus. Give us the compassion of Jesus. And then we're going to ask God to give us the power of Jesus. And this might be the most important thing to see in, in everything that we've looked at. Going back to those verses that we saw at the beginning. What happened every time it says that Jesus looked and had compassion? I, I know that we really didn't pay close attention to the detail when we read earlier. But what happened every time it said Jesus looked and had compassion? If, if you go back and look, Matthew 14, 14. It says when Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd. He looked and saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, and it says healed their sick. So he looked, he had compassion, and he healed them. Matthew 15, 32. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on this crowd. He's seen this crowd. He has compassion on the crowd because they've been with me now, he says, for three days and have nothing to eat. And then he says, I am unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. So it doesn't just stop with looking and then compassion. He does something in response every time. Luke seven thirteen through 14. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bier, and the bearers stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. So he raises her dead son. Luke ten thirty three. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds pouring on oil and wine, in other words, cleaning his wounds. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Luke 15, 20, and he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Matthew 20, verse 34, and Jesus in pity or having compassion touched their eyes, healed them. Mark 1, moved with pity, moved with compassion. He stretched out his hand and touched him. And said, I will make you clean, be clean. So what happened every time that, that Jesus looked and had compassion? What happened? Yeah, he did something. 
And I've said this before, but the measure of your faith, the measure of my faith, the measure of our faith is not how much we read the Bible, it's what do we do with what we've read. The measure of the success in our ministry is not the amount of people who come to our large gatherings. The measure of success is the amount of lives that are being powerfully transformed by the gospel. So tonight we're going to ask God to give us the power of Jesus. Because if, if we're going to ask him these other stuff, like if, if we are given the eyes of Jesus and if we're given the compassion of Jesus, we will need the power of Jesus to heal and meet the needs of those whom we encounter. True compassion doesn't keep walking. It stops. True compassion doesn't look away. It moves in closer. True compassion's greatest need is the power of Jesus to come alongside it to meet the needs that it encounters. So that's what we're going to do now. We're going to, we're going to, I'm, I'm going to ask in like two seconds, I'm going to ask you to split into groups of three. And, uh, and, and each person is going to pray for one of these things. He's going to put a slide up on the screen that's going to have all three of these listed. Um, there it is, awkwardly with me in the background. Um, can you just make that black in the background so I'm not there? That's weird. Um, but here, here's what I want you to, and, and let me actually just back up and say a couple things on this. One is, <laughs> um, all right, focus on like the real version of me here for a second. Well, one, one is this, so for an hour before, now y'all are all looking at the screens. <laughs> hey, just turn the screens off. It's, it's, I don't want it to be distracting. Just turn them off, please. Um, an hour before this, and every week on Tuesday, 7 o'clock, uh, starting at 7, we have students uh, behind us in the choir room back there. It's kind of this green room area. Um, who for an hour, they, they, we call it the boiler room, um, they, they pray. They spend an hour praying for what's happening in here at 8, um, which I'm saying that I'm giving a little plug for the boiler room right now to you intentionally because I know a lot of you don't know about that, um, and a lot of you are thinking, that's cool, I'm still not going to go. I want to challenge you to go. Some of you are like, an hour? Yeah, an hour. I want to challenge you to go in there and pray for an hour um, for some of these things. And I, I say that also because they've been praying for the past hour, um, for these three things. God, give us the eyes of Jesus, the compassion of Jesus, and the power of Jesus. Um, I, I also want to say this. My, my desire in here is not to make anybody feel uncomfortable. Um, I know for some of you, like I said earlier, this is your first time here. Um, some of you wouldn't say that you're a Christian. Some of you, you haven't been in a setting like this maybe ever before. Um, and I'm I, seriously, with all sincerity in my heart, I'm so glad you're here, and I want you to keep coming back because I really do think you're going to discover some life-changing things here. Um, and, and I don't want you to feel uncomfortable. So in this, I, if, if you feel uncomfortable, just hang with your group. Even just tell your two or three other people, say, hey, I feel uncomfortable. I'm not going to pray. I'll let y'all pray. That's cool. The other ones in the room, though, some of you are going to feel uncomfortable because you don't normally pray around people or you're new in your relationship with Jesus or whatever it is. I want to challenge you to get out of that comfort zone tonight. Don't, don't say you're not going to pray because you feel uncomfortable um, for those reasons. Uh, listen, this is supposed to be an everyday normal thing in the church. And, and so we are going to practice that tonight. And I want to challenge you to do that tonight. So here's how, how it's going to work. I'm going to challenge you to get with three people. Um, so a group of three. And each of you take one of those three things to pray for. And, um, and then I'm going to give you some time together in your group to pray. And I want you know, one person from your group praying uh, out loud so the rest of the group can hear um, and pray along with you in their hearts. And, and, and after that, we'll, we'll kind of move from there. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you what, go ahead, find your group of, of three. Go ahead and kind of move if you need to. It doesn't have to be people you know. If you don't know them, introduce yourself. <laughs> hey, would you look around you and see if anybody's 
not able to find a group of three, would you invite them to be part of your group of now four or five or whatever it is? Make sure nobody's left out. All right, you should have your group now. So here, here's what I'm going to ask. If I could get your attention again. If I could get your attention again. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm going to pray for us and just pray that God will give us a, uh, just a focus as we do this. I, I, I really want to challenge you not to talk about what you're going to pray for, like just dive in and pray. I also want to challenge you that if you finish early, um, which take your time, we're not going to rush you, but if you finish early, don't you know, start chatting, whatever, because there's going to be people around you praying, and we want them to be focused. If, if you want, if y'all finish early, then hop in with the group next to you. Just listen in and pray along in your hearts. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open us in prayer. The three prayers are on the, on the screen, and I would just challenge you each to take a chance to pray over at least one of those things, all right? So I'll pray, and then after I'm done, y'all can start praying. Lord, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the compassion that you have shown us through Jesus. I mean, ultimately, um, the compassion that you are, are showing in Scripture in these individual stories is just a smaller picture of the greater compassion you've shown us through your death and resurrection. And so I pray that tonight, uh, ultimately, that's the message that's communicated and seen about you. Um, and in these moments as we pray for these three things, the eyes of Jesus, the compassion of Jesus, the power of Jesus, I pray that you would answer these prayers. Your word is clear that when we ask things that are in line with your heart, in line with your will, you will answer. And, and this is stuff that we need in this ministry. This is stuff that we need in our individual lives. Um, we want to represent you well. We want to impact our campuses like you've called us to. And we know that apart from you answering these prayers, that won't happen. So I pray over these next moments, Lord. Hear our prayers. Respond to our prayers. And I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you have a few minutes to pray. I know a couple of groups are still praying, and, and feel free to continue to do that. Um, so as I was really thinking through this today, I was, I was compelled to, you know, plan to do this. Um, but, but again, you know, having had the opportunity now five weeks in to begin to observe, you know, this group and meet many of you new faces um, and just hear the stories of what's going on. Um, I, I know that there's a lot of things in this room that people are dealing with, struggling with, going through. And um, I... I don't know that we do this again. Like, I'm, I kind of went on a rant tonight about prayer in the church, and uh, it's more so a reflection of how God's convicting my heart and my leadership. But um, I, I don't know that we give enough time to do what I'm about to uh, at least open up the opportunity to do now. Um, and again, I don't, I don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable. That's not the idea behind this. This is honestly something that should be normal um, for us to do. But I, I know some of you are dealing with some stuff, and, and as we were praying just a second ago, I... I I have no doubt that there were some people in here thinking, man, I, I wish that um, I wish that there were people that knew what I was going through and able to just pray for me. Because some of you, I, I think you're feeling the weight of some of the stuff you're going through and, um, and, and you need the power of Jesus to intervene in your life. And so um, I just want to give an opportunity if, if any of you are willing to courageously uh, just stand where you are and in standing saying, you're, you're just saying we're not going to ask anything at all, but in standing, you would be saying, look, I need the power of Jesus to intervene in some uh, things that I have going on. Um, if any of you would be courageous enough to stand, and then um, what we'll do is just the people that are nearby, if you would just kind of lean over and 
you know, lay a hand on their shoulder or something, and, and we're going to give you a chance to pray for them. Is anybody willing to stand and um, we could pray for you? Anybody else before we move to another time of prayer? All right, if you're close by and you're, and you're willing, would you just uh, maybe lean over and lay a hand on their shoulder? You can ask their name if you don't know them. And if you, if, if you want to just briefly, if you want to share, you can. You don't feel compelled to. Um, but if there's something specific you'd like for them to pray, you can tell them. I'll give you a few minutes to do that. And, and just pray out loud where you are over that person so they can hear you. So we are going to uh, move into uh, just type of response through worship, um, pretty much like we normally do. So um, if, if you want to go ahead and start making your way back to your seat, you can. Um, but, but in this time, here's, here's you know, we're going to sing, close out the night singing like we always do. Um, but, but I want to also say this. I felt compelled earlier to make sure we did this tonight. As, as we've been praying tonight, um, or maybe while uh, we were studying the scripture, maybe you... Maybe the Lord put somebody on your heart that is maybe actually in this room that you need to um, go and pray for, um, for whatever reason. Maybe you don't know why. Maybe you do know why. Um, or, or maybe there's somebody in this room that you need to go to and um, uh, just maybe ask for forgiveness for some stuff. Or there's just maybe some tension there that maybe you, you feel compelled to deal with. And if that's the case, in a second, everybody's going to stand so people really won't be able to see you move. But I, I want to challenge you to, to move to where that person is. And whether it's pray for them or just maybe pull them aside to talk to them, um, I want to challenge you to do that. So uh, we're all going to stand, um, and we're going to close the night singing. Uh, I want to say these last things about this. Jesus ultimately shows his compassion uh, through what he did for you on the cross, through what he did for me on the cross. He looked, and he saw you. He saw me enslaved to sin brokenhearted, blind to our situation, and he was moved deeply to do something about it. He didn't keep walking when he saw it. He stopped. He didn't look away. Instead, he drew near, and he gave away everything that he had in order to purchase you out of your sin, my sin, your pain, my pain, your slavery, my slavery. It's, it's cool to study these smaller stories in Scripture and see how he's challenging us to live our lives, but we have to see that in light of the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is Jesus looked, and when he saw you, he was filled with compassion and moved into action. And that's why he came to earth to purchase you out of your sin through his death on the cross. So let's worship in response to that. Uh, Let's sing in response to that, not mindless words. Uh, Think about what you're seeing, knowing that Jesus has offered that to you and for many of you pulled you out of sin. So let's worship him. Thank you for listening to the Overflow Podcast. Please feel free to download and share with friends. We ask that you do not alter any of the previous content in any way. For more information about Overflow, feel free to visit us online at overflowdenton.org.